Thank you for listening to the Murray Hills Church podcast. We're in a series right now called Anchored Spirituality. It's an emotional health series, and we're going to be looking at six different principles to help us improve our emotional and spiritual health. I hope you find this helpful, and I hope we learn something together. Evan, let's see. We are. This is the last Sunday that we're talking about Anchored Spirituality. And so this has been a series we've been in. We're working through an acronym. This is R. This is the last letter in the acronym. And uh, today's about resiliency. And I want to start with a, a poll, just like I did last week. There's only one question in this poll. I'm curious, and you can raise your hand in the comments if you want to. I can't see it, but I do look at them after the service is over. How many of you have ever run a marathon? At least one, like one time in your life, no matter how long ago, how many marathoners do we have in the room? You've run a marathon. Not many. Okay, I'm, I'm second-guessing whether I should use this analogy now because I was expecting a few more than that. But um, I, I haven't got time to come up with a new one. Uh, I've run one marathon in my life. Okay, it was about 19 years ago, and it was the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. I will remember the timing of it for multiple reasons, but two of the most important was I ran it pre-social media, and so I don't feel like I got enough credit. I don't, I don't feel like I got the credit I deserve for running that marathon, and I'm not going to run another one, so I just try to bring it up in sermons as much as possible so that, you know, I can get the likes that I was looking for. But the other reason I remember that specifically is at that, that weekend at that marathon, that's where I decided that I was not going to come to Murray Hills. So the job had been offered at that point, and shortly after that weekend, I called Gary Van Warmer and said, Gary... I'm not going to come and preach at Murray Hills. And um, obviously changed my mind at some point down the road about that. But I always remember that weekend because that was the weekend Jenny and I tried to process that and said, no, we don't want to go to Murray Hills. That's not a good idea. And uh, so maybe marathoning is not a good idea because I was wrong about that one. But there's a phenomenon in marathoning that it's called hitting a wall or hitting the wall, if you will. And it's the point in which, at some point in the race, you're going to hit a point that you feel like you can't possibly take another step. Like there's, you just, everything in your body is saying, stop running. Okay, and there's a, there's a physiological component to it. Like it's the glycogen levels in your muscles get depleted enough that you experience sudden fatigue. Uh, there's a, a psychological component to it. Your brain is an it's an incredible organ. I'm, I'm listening to a book right now called Endure, and it's about, you know, like endurance athletes, whether it's running or cycling or swimming or those kinds of things. And he makes a point in the book how nobody, or people rarely run themselves to death, or people rarely bike themselves to death. And he's like, why? And part of the big part of that is the brain shuts our body down before we get to that point. Like the brain says, you're going to kill yourself. Stop. And the brain will, will shut us down. And so there's a, there's a psychological component to it. There's a physiological component to it. And there's an emotional component to it. When, when runners hit the wall, there's this just a wild mix of emotions. I mean, there's tears and frustration and there's anger and sadness and euphoria. And I mean, it's just, it's this weird sensation. And you can see it in their faces. Like if you look at, you know, people running a marathon, like the, the, the girl back here, she hadn't hit it yet. That girl in the front, she's close. The guy in the hat, he hit it. He's there. And, you know, the girl beside him, she looks like she's hit it too. And it even gets more drastic than that. You see people like just stumbling across the finish line because it's clearly like they're just emotionally, mentally, and physically done. 
absolutely done. And it happened to me in the marathon. It happened to me about mile 24. And here's what we know to be true. That most runners, especially if it's their first marathon, most runners will at some point hit the wall. Like the research just shows, I don't know the statistics, but most runners will at some point hit the wall. But what we also know to be true is that most runners will still finish the race. So they hit the wall, but they still somehow, some way, they find it within them to the stamina and the strength to somehow push through and get to the finish line. And I think that's true of more than just running. I think that's true of, of life in general. If we live long enough, at some point, we're going to hit the wall in some capacity. It may be in a marriage. It may be in some other significant relationship in our lives. Uh, it may be trying to raise uh, grown children or trying to get grown children into adulthood, which is, can be a very stressful time of life. It may be trying to care for aging parents or somebody with a chronic illness. Um, it may be battling an addiction. It may be dealing with a, a diagnosis. Maybe battling cancer or some illness. I mean, it, at some point, in some capacity of our lives, we're going to hit a wall. We will reach a point when we are physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. And everything within us is telling us to stop, to quit. I can't possibly take another step. I know that to be true, that most of us will at some point in our lives hit the wall in some area of our lives. But I also know that most of us, if not all of us, will push through that and somehow find the strength to finish. It may not look like what we thought it was going to look like. So the relationship may not survive intact, but we're still going to finish somehow. I mean, our health may not be intact, but we're still going to finish somehow. So when I ran the marathon, at mile, everything looked like I expected it to look until mile 24. I was on the right pace, I was going to get my goal, I was following my pacing group, but at mile 24 when I hit the wall, everything fell apart. And I still finished the race, it didn't, I didn't finish the way I anticipated finishing, but I still finished the race. And I just think that's true in life. That book I was referencing called Endure, here's the way they define endurance, and I like this from Alex Hudson. Endurance is the struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop. The struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop. So everything within you is saying stop. But somehow, you just, a day at a time, a step at a time, somehow you find the strength to keep going on. And I think when you see that, we can think of people in our lives that we've seen do that. We can think of people that we've seen push through uh, some kind of health battle or push through, uh, you know, an, an addiction or some kind of mental illness uh, battle or whatever it is I mean anything we could think of all and we think of people that have this incredible stamina and we watch them it's kind of like watching endurance athletes when I read books about endurance athletes and these ultra marathoners and all this and the, the iron man and all that I'm just in awe I'm amazed like how do you do that how do you push through when everything's telling you to stop and we've seen people do that uh, in their lives and the question always like how do you do it like how do you, how do you maintain endurance when when you you should be stopping now how do you how do you keep going without quitting and the answer is almost always uh, faith like that's what people will tell you is like oh, it's not me and I can't t this is not me this is not my willpower this is not my strength that did this this was 
This was faith. I don't even know where it's coming from. I don't know how I'm able to survive in the midst of this. This is, this is faith. And so I intentionally bookend this entire series on faith. So, you know, we're talking about how to stay anchored, how to stay mentally healthy and emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. And the answer to that is, is faith. We need God's help to do that. And so we begin the series talking about authentic faith, that we need a faith where we can be comfortable with who we are in Christ. We don't have to pretend anymore because we're not being graded. But we also need a resilient faith because at some point in our journey, we're going to hit the wall and we're going to feel like we can't go on anymore. And so how do we continue in our faith when our faith is being tested? Now, that's what Jesus talked about at uh, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, uh, he talked about what it takes to build a faith that will endure. Is verse 24. That's what it is. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I'm just going to use... I'm going to use the slides because uh, I don't have my reading glasses and I haven't gotten comfortable wearing those in front of you yet. So uh, I'm just going to go here. So Matthew 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds beat and blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is a very, very well-known story. It's probably one of the most well-known analogies you could possibly give. And Jesus puts it at the end of this teaching of probably what is the greatest set of ethical and moral teachings in the history of the world. He puts it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount to say, all these things I've been telling you, all these, all these practices I've been giving you about prayer and fasting and turning the other cheek and loving your enemies and, and not worrying and all these things he's given us through the Sermon on the Mount. He, he's talking about if you will take these things and put them into practice, you will build a strong foundation of faith. If you don't take these things and don't put them into practice, you'll build a shaky foundation of faith. And the purpose of the story is to contrast the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. A wise person is someone who takes the teachings of Jesus and, and puts them into practice, and a foolish person does not. That's the purpose of the story. But what struck me this week was what the two share in common. And that is they both faced a storm. The faithful person and the, per, the wise and the foolish person both face the storm. And I think sometimes, and maybe the church has done this to us sometimes, I don't know. But sometimes we, we have this assumption like, well, if I'm faithful and I do the things I'm supposed to do and I follow Jesus in the way I'm supposed to follow him, and I, you know, I, if I'm a good person and I'm you know, a moral person, I'm not going to face those storms. And that, that's a, a completely unbiblical concept. Jesus never teaches that. Jesus actually teaches the exact opposite. He says, it doesn't matter. Faithful and unfaithful are going to see rain and going to see sun. It, it has nothing to do with that. Um, and so what he talks about here is the fact, he doesn't talk about if the storm is going to hit or whether or not the storm is going to hit. He talks about when the storm hits. And the question is not how strong is the storm going to be when it hits. The question is, how strong is our faith going to be when the storm hits, because the storm is coming. We're going to hit it. It's just like in Marathon and all the research. Like when I hit the wall, um, I wasn't surprised by it. I was expecting it. I didn't want it to happen, and it still hurt. I was not looking forward to it, but all everything I'd read in training and preparation said, this is probably going to happen to you. You're probably going to hit a wall. And um, so 
being ready for it and expecting it, I had kind of built up my mindset to be ready of how I'm going to respond when that happens. And I don't think we do enough of that in faith because it's not, honestly, it's not a very encouraging message. I mean, nobody wants to preach and say, listen, life's going to be troublesome and you're going to have trials and you're going to have things that test your faith and you're going to have obstacles that seem like they're insurmountable and you're going to have some situations in your life that you're going to feel like you can't possibly go on anymore and you're going to feel like the boat is about to get swamped and I mean, nobody wants to preach that. But if we don't talk about that, because, you know, like you look at the wise and the foolish person, the foolish person built his, his foundation on sand, I don't think by um, accident, it, it more by apathy. It's more of this mindset, well, like the storms are never going to come. But the whole key to survive in the storm is to build the foundation before the storm hits, not in the middle of the storm. It's really hard to build a strong foundation in the middle of a storm. Because that's when the foundation is tested. It's to, it's to build the resilient faith. Resiliency is built before the storm hits. It's, it's before you hit the wall. And, and the Bible talks in a lot of places about this. One other one that I want to read to you is James chapter 1, uh, verses 2 and 4. And he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, that's a, that's a verse that we, we struggle with because he says, consider it pure joy. And we have so confused the concepts of joy and happiness that it doesn't make any sense to us when he says it. Like, how could you possibly be joyful in the midst of suffering? That doesn't make any sense to us. What I want you to notice in this verse is how he talks about what the testing of your faith does. It, produce, it produces perseverance, another word for resiliency. It produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in us so that we can be mature and complete. Uh, the, the way the New Living Translation puts it is, uh, it talks about being strong in character and ready for anything. And that, to me, is talking about that foundation of faith. That's what it means to build a, a strong foundation, foundation or a resilient faith is that we, we're able to persevere through the most difficult of circumstances. And sometimes, strangely enough, ironically enough, even in the most difficult of circumstances, our faith actually grows. And that's kind of what that, that verse is talking about. Like the per perseverance has to finish its work so that you're mature and complete. And your faith actually comes out the other side, in a sense, stronger. Even though it hurt, it hurt bad, and you didn't want to go through it, and you didn't want to experience but your faith didn't just survive, but it came out stronger. Um, that's the story I want to share with you this morning. I mentioned Harvey's story last week, and about a month ago, Harvey Church is who I'm talking about. About a month ago, he, he sent me a text, and uh, he was talking about his cancer had gone into remission, and... Um, and I was, you know, celebrating the news. with like, hey, that's great news. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'd message him back. And then he messaged me back and he said, it's amazing how much my faith has grown in the last seven months. Now, the last seven months had been, I, I don't even, I can't even imagine what the last seven months were like. And he's talking about his faith has grown during the last seven months. And um, so I had messaged him back and said, you need to share that story. You need to talk about that. And he said, well, I'm I'd be, I'd be willing to. And so he came up on a Sunday, or not a Sunday, he came up sometime during the week, and we filmed uh, a bit of his story. He talked for about 30 minutes. I'm not going to show you the whole video this morning, but I want to show you about 10 minutes of it. 
of him telling the story of what happened. Because I've been talking about hitting the wall in very generic terms this morning and, and storms in very generic terms. His had a much more specific name, and it was a, it was a much more uh, specific uh, trial and journey. And so I want you to hear from Harvey. And w- as you're watching this video, I want you to listen for what it is that helped him uh, get through. There's a couple of things I think he mentions in here that are really interesting that helped him push through and continue to put one foot in front of the other and, and keep going. So let's watch this together. My story starts off in uh, May of, again, May of 2021. God set me up to do this. It was a weekend. We were at the lake. um, And it was just me. My son typically is with me. And uh, we were, I was getting the boat ready for uh, the boating season for that summer. Um, I jumped in and out of my boat a hundred times. And through that day, um, I kept noticing, gosh, my knee is killing me. I didn't think a whole lot about it. You know, I'm 58 years old, aches and pains are kind of just a part of my life. And so I kept working, kept jumping in and out of the boat. And that night, we were sitting down and I told Carol, I said, hey, um, my knee is really hurting. It's it's almost at, at the point that it's hard for me to walk. Um, and she said, well, you're going to have to, you know, it's, it's probably nothing. Just go see uh, Scott McCall, uh, the orthopedic surgeon, a friend of mine. So I did that. Didn't think a lot about it. Uh, that next Monday, <clears throat> I worked all day. Uh, I had an appointment at 4 o'clock with Scott. So he said, hey, let's get an x-ray. Let's see what's going on with your knee. And we did that. Um, I sat in the room for an unusual amount of time. Uh, and I kept thinking, gosh, what, I'm the only person in here. What, what's taking so long? And so Dr. McCall came in and he flipped up uh, on, the, on the screen in that room. He flipped up the x-ray. Of course, I didn't know what I was looking at. And he said, um, Harvey, your knee is fine. There's nothing wrong with your knee. But... <clears throat> You have a bone lesion on your femur, and um, I'm really concerned about it. And I said, "Gosh, what do you do? You mean it's like cancer?" And he said, "Yeah, it. It's only one of two things. It's either a benign tumor, or it's a malignant tumor. I mean, those are the only two things. But it's clearly on your femur." And he said, "I'm really worried because this tumor is large enough that your leg is going to break if you don't." Um, if you're not careful, you can't put any weight on this leg anymore uh, because I, I have a fear that your leg's going to break. So, um, man, you talk about a blow to the stomach. I'm, I'm by myself. Uh, I didn't think it was a big deal. And so I'm faced with this news of cancer or a benign tumor or, you know, something bad. And so um, I go home that night, uh, Carol and I talk about it, and of course there's a, a flood of emotion that uh, kind of takes place when you have that kind of news. That's when I started worrying, you know, um, I, and, and that's where my faith really started to, to be tested because uh, 
I kept wanting, my DNA and my body wanted to go back to Harvey taking care of it. Harvey, you can do it. You gotta be in control. And I just, I had that constant pull of, of trying to let, you know, just letting God take it. So as we were sharing the news of my health issue with my friends, um, we made the call to Sherry and Kent Freeman uh, in Jackson. And immediately when I was talking to Sherry, she said, Harvey, you're not gonna believe this, but we have a really good friend in our Sunday school class that has multiple myeloma. And she goes to a hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how, how, how crazy is that, that you've got somebody in your Sunday school class that has the same thing that I have? Uh, I made the call to this person, her name's Wendy Bowen, and so the first thing that Wendy told me, um, she said, Harvey, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you other than Kent and Sherry have shared that you have multiple myeloma and you've just found out about it. But what I'm telling you, if you want to live a long time and you want to fight this disease uh, as aggressively as you can, get in your car and drive to Little Rock, Arkansas. I got off the phone and having that conversation with Wendy Bowen on that night, I had this peace that God gave me uh, that was uncanny, and, and I, I got off the phone, and I told Carol, I said, I know what I'm gonna do. Man, I fell in love with Little Rock, Arkansas, and that cancer center, and just Wendy's promotion and her connection to me was just immediate. Uh, she's a, she's a, a, a woman of great faith. Uh, we talked about God, we talked about our salvation, we talked about, um, how important it was gonna be for me to, to have this journey knowing that God, God had it. He had it for me and he was gonna take care of me. So a week passed, we've got a lake house in Winchester. We were at the lake house and I had had my surgery. I was on a walker. Uh, I wanted to get out of the house. I went down to the swimming pool and one of, uh, the other orthopedic surgeons who's in Columbia was at the pool. And he said, hey man, what's, what's going on with you? And I said, well, I told him the story. Well, the guy that was sitting with him, he goes, you're not gonna believe this, but my best friend has multiple myeloma. I want him to talk to you right now. I'm, I'm gonna dial him on the phone and I want him to talk to you. His name is Russ Petty. And so Russ gets on the phone with me uh, within 10 minutes of us meeting this guy. And he says, Harvey, I've got multiple myeloma. I'm in year 11 of my journey. Uh, and I went to Little Rock, Arkansas uh, to the cancer center. And my doctor was Dr. Van Ree, which is the doctor that Wendy Bowen had. So all these things just start to fit into place. And coming back home that night, I was just, the assurance that I had was, God, you got it. You're, you're putting me in the right place. You're gonna put me with the right doctors. You're gonna put me uh, in, in the place that you feel like is the best for me. And so uh, 
it's just a great feeling to have that. And so that, that again, is a, a part of the journey. It's that search for peace um, that is so important that if you get on the other side of peace, uh, it's a terrible place to be. Not having that assurance and not having that peace is something that I had struggled with off and on because I would have these, um, I would have these periods of time that I felt uh, lost. I felt like I was in a hole. I felt like I was uh, in a place that I I couldn't get out, and that that hope was hard to see. And so um, that peace was something that I yearned for, I prayed for every day, diligently, God, give me, give me peace through this day. Just let me get through today and let me just worry about today. Let me just think about what are we gonna accomplish today? And, and so that became a part of my life. It's that day-to-day -day kind of process. And that's the way I have to live today because I don't have the assurance that tomorrow will come. I've had so many people over the last nine months who've prayed for me. I feel those prayers. I mean, I physically feel the prayers of those who have been surrounding me. Uh, but one special person that I wanna uh, take note of is my wife, Carol. So uh, when, when all this started, <clears throat> Just uh, her comforting me and being my soulmate and, and being all the things that, that you would think somebody that is married needs to have, uh, she's been there for me. And so that's been an important part of this journey is uh, not only having her support, but um, her as a caregiver. And so one of the things that's, that uh, people lose sight of are, are those who care for those who uh, have illnesses like what I've got. And Carol basically set everything aside in her life to care for me for the last year. And so uh, I just wanna honor her for uh, what she's done for me. And uh, she's been there every single step that I've taken in this journey. I've struggled with, with uh, having that peace being able to be in a good place in my faith uh, as I look at look at these last months and I look at um, how has my faith grown it it's exponential uh, there is no way for me to to measure how deep my faith has grown over these last last few months you know, when you're faced with your mortality, uh, it's you and God, that's it. Everybody around you who's praying for you, everybody that's in your family, as much and as close as they can get to you, there's still a place that it's just you and God. It's God stepping in and saying, Harvey, I've got this. You don't need to worry. Let's make it through today. I've got a plan, and my plan is so much better than anything that you could ever dream in your mind. He's put me in a place in time that 
there's a purpose and I want to live that purpose out. Two things I, I want to highlight on his story is, uh, one is community. And just as he told it, it, there was all these instances of people he didn't know that were like, oh, I've been through the same thing. I've, I've been where you've, I've sat where you've sat. I've stood where you stood. And um, Harvey's now doing that for other folks because he, later in the video, he tells a story about somebody that reached out to him that didn't know him. And he was like, let me tell you what I've been through. And there, there's some kind of hope in that that helps us push through with faith. When you, when you meet people in church or in a community of faith that say, I've been through the same thing. I've experienced the same hurts. I've experienced the same heartache. I've experienced the same fears and the same worries. There's, there's a strength that comes from community. There's also what I want you to hear is his talk about uh, faith and peace and just those, those prayers for peace. Having a faith doesn't mean that we don't have doubts or we don't go to dark places or we don't struggle and he talks about that. You know, there were days that I'm sure he you know, feels like I can't get out of bed and I can't move and I can't respond. But um, it's, it's that keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep taking it one day at a time and just praying for peace for today. If I could just, just peace for today, uh, no matter what's ahead. Because faith is this dependency, which we're not used to. We're, we're all like Harvey in that we, I can fix it and I want to be in control. And uh, there are times in our lives that get to the point where we, we really can't fix it and we're not in control and we, we have no idea what the outcome is going to be. And um, I know a lot of us are in those places too. And that's why I asked the team to close us today with this song, uh, Highlands is the song, because it's a song that talks about that. And it talks about how God is present with us in the mountaintops. But God is also present with us in the valley. The peaks and the valleys, it doesn't matter. God is present with us and he walks with us and our faith can remain secure even in the midst of that. So I want to start with a word of prayer. I want to invite you to stand. I want to start with a word of prayer and then we'll, we'll sing this song together as we close our service today. So pray with me. Father, I pray that you uh, be with all of us. Um, I know that we've got folks in this church that are uh, battling cancer. Uh, I know we've got folks in this church that are battling uh, other illnesses. We've got folks who have recently lost loved ones. Uh, we've got folks who've lost loved ones maybe years ago, but that hurt is still there. That heartache and that pain is still there. And um, I know that we've, it's just tough. Life is tough and it's, it's difficult. And so I, I pray you be with any of us in this room or online that are that are going through battles and we don't think we can make it anymore and we don't think we can continue to put one foot in front of the other and I pray that you help us to, to do that help give us some sense of hope and encouragement that we can we can be resilient uh, and that we can endure we can keep going even when everything within us is telling us to stop and we can do that because of our faith in you so father we want to we want to worship you and praise you for that in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. i
Just read.